texting and driving, that's dangerous. A lot of people do it, but it's dangerous. Riding shotgun with grandma can be scary and dangerous, but prayer? Come on. A selfie with a shark? Yes. Crossing the world's most dangerous bridge in Pakistan? I would think so. And quite possibly the most dangerous activity of them all, letting Caleb and Pastor Chris around power tools. Never a good idea. This is very dangerous. But prayers? Prayers aren't dangerous. Prayers are safe. God, protect me. Safe. God, help me. It's good, but safe. God, bless me. Now, these prayers are good, and we, and we should be praying these prayers. But what I want to talk about today is a prayer that's not safe. In fact, know going into this that when you pray this prayer, you're asking God to do something that will often take you out of your comfort zone. And that's a place that a lot of us don't like to go. I mean, we like to be comfortable. We feel safe in our, in our little world, hanging with a certain crowd, associating with a, a certain group of people, doing certain things. I mean, we come to church and we often sit in the same spot. We give a certain amount. We serve here and there. And we're fine with that because that's like, that's like our comfort zone. It's like that, this little area that we, that we put up and it's safe. But the problem is that little area that you put up around you that you think is keeping you safe, that's keeping you comfortable. In reality, it's like a cage and it's trapping you. It's holding you in. It's holding you back. It's keeping you from growing. And this leads to the big idea for the day, and it's this. Comfort is the enemy of growth. Comfort is the enemy of growth. Now, here's the thing. There are times in each one of our lives, in, each, in our walk with Jesus, uh, if you've given your life to Christ, that you get to a point and you just feel like you just ain't growing anymore. You're just not growing anymore. You feel like, you feel like you're just kind of stuck. Maybe, maybe you've lost a little bit of that fire inside that you once had. And it just kind of feels like that maybe... Maybe you're just going through the motions. And there's different reasons for feeling this way. Sometimes maybe you're got, you got stuck in a sin that's just taking a toll on you. Man, it's weighing you down. It's dragging you down. It's stopping your growth. It, maybe it's wrecking havoc on your spiritual life. I think other times maybe you're in a rut because you're not making quiet time with God, a priority. You're not reading your Bible. You're not 
spending time in prayer. You're not plugged into God's power. And it's hard to be fired up about something. It's hard to be excited about something if you're not doing that something. Now, another reason, and this is where we're going today, is maybe you have just become content with where you are. You're not pushing boundaries anymore. You're not taking steps anymore. You're just kind of stuck. You see, being a Christ follower is a lifelong process of taking steps. And with each new step you take, we're being molded. We're being chiseled to look a little more like Jesus Christ. And when we become content, we get trapped in our little boxes. We're not taking steps anymore. Maybe we're not regressing backwards, but we're definitely not going forwards. It's kind of like, eh, I'll just stay here in my little comfort zone. Just, just bless me, God. Well, today I want to talk about three things to ask of God that is guaranteed. Guaranteed to get you moving again. This teaching is titled A Dangerous Prayer. Because if you're brave enough to pray this prayer and ask these three things, not only will God widen your comfort zone, but you're going to experience Him and be used by Him in ways you probably never thought was possible. Now this prayer that I'm going to break down today, it's found in Psalm 139. And it's verses 23 and 24. And I'm going to read it to you right now. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Well, that doesn't really sound all that dangerous, does it? I mean, it's not like the captain during a raging storm and he realized his ship was sinking fast. And he called out, does anyone here know how to pray? And a young sailor stepped forward. He said, I, captain, I know how to pray. Good, said the captain. You pray while the rest of us put on our life jackets. We were one short. Now that, that would be a dangerous prayer. But Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Let me tell you what makes this such a dangerous prayer. David, who wrote this? The same David who killed Goliath. The same David who would go on to be the greatest king in the Old Testament. He was basically asking God to take a magnifying glass and look into the deepest and darkest areas of his life. And then to point out anything that was displeasing to God. I mean, that's how much David longed to honor God. That's how greatly David desired to be authentic before God. He's saying, God, I want to I want to keep growing. I want to keep taking steps. I want to keep evolving with you. Show me what else to do. God, show me what else that I need to work on. 
And you see, like David, for us to continue to grow, for us to continue to be transformed, for us to be used by God in big ways, we need to ask God to look into the deepest parts of who we are. To point out things that we may be unaware of. So we can begin to work towards removing them. So if you're serious about wanting to grow closer to God, if you honestly have a desire, a deep desire to honor God in a deeper way, to be used by God in a larger way, the first step out of your comfort zone is to ask God this, search me. That's the first thing to ask of God. Search me. Beginning of that scripture says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. You know, it all starts right here. Everything starts with the heart. And it's dangerous. When you ask God to search your heart, because you may not like what you're shown. And I know that you think you have a good heart. We all think we have good hearts. But Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Our hearts are wicked. Our hearts are deceitful. We deceive others. Heck, we deceive ourselves. We lie to ourselves all the time. Why why don't eat that much? I'm only going to have one drink. I don't gossip. I'm telling you this so you can pray for this person. You see, when you... Pray, search my heart. It's dangerous because God's going to show you things in your heart that's not Christ-like, that's not pure. Things that maybe you think are not a big deal, God says it is a big deal. It's a huge deal because our hearts can be so ugly at times. Our hearts can be so consumed with things. The way you look at someone... And you kind of smirk a little bit because deep down, you do really think that you're better than that person. And God says, let's work on that. The way someone catches your eye, ah, you just kind of, you just kind of get filled with lust and desire. And you think, man, I wish, I wish I was with that person. God says, let's clean that up. The way we hesitate to give money at times. We can't serve two masters. You see, when we ask, God will show us what has our hearts. He'll show us what we're holding on to. He'll show us what's holding on to us. He'll show us what's in our hearts. Pride, bitterness, unforgiveness. These are all things that are holding us back. You see, wants us to be able to move forward. He wants to renew us. He wants to give us a clean heart. But in order for him to do that, we have to allow him to come in with a broom. 
Search me, God. Know my heart. So the first thing to ask of God, if you're serious about getting out of your comfort zone, if you're serious about growth, is search me. Second thing to ask of God, test me. Test me. You can think of this in terms of having medical issues. Nobody likes seeing a doctor, except maybe Pastor Chris. But nobody else. Why? Because it's usually uncomfortable. It involves nakedness sometimes. Needles, fasting, medical testing is unpleasant. But it's through testing that we're able to locate the issue so we can know the problem and we can begin to get better. The next part of this verse says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. So here's what I find interesting. When David prayed this prayer, he was surrounded by his enemies. David was on the run. He was on the run and his enemies actually had caught up with him. And he's saying, God, look into my mind. God, know my thoughts, know my fears, know my doubts. Because the mind is a powerful thing. Our actions tend to follow our thoughts. The person who says I can and the person who says I can't are both right. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, as a man thinks, so is he. There was a man at a circus. And he passed by the elephants. And he suddenly stopped. He was confused by the fact that these huge creatures were being held by only a small rope tied to their front leg. No chains, no cages. I mean, it was obvious that the elephants could at any time, at any time, break away, but for some reason they didn't. Well, he saw a trainer nearby and he asked why these animals just stood there and they made no attempt to get away. Well, the trainer said, when they're very young and much smaller, we use the same size rope to tie them. And at that age, it's enough to hold them. And as they grow, they are conditioned to believe that they cannot break away. They believe that the rope can still hold them. So they never try to break away. And the man was amazed. I mean, these animals could at any time break away, but because they believed that they couldn't, they were stuck right where they were. You know, like the elephants, we get stuck. We get stuck hanging on to a belief that we're not capable of doing something. Well, I can't do this. 
I'll never be able to do that. I'm not capable of going to college. I'm not capable of doing what I dream of doing, so I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to stay in my little box. Well, I'll never find the person for me. So I'm just going to I'm just going to overlook all these flaws over here in this person and I'm just going to settle. Because I don't want to be alone. I can't stop drinking. I can't stop taking these pills. Man, I failed before. I'm going to fail again. My marriage is never going to work out. Why even try? You see, we need God to show us our anxious thoughts. To point out our fears because a lot of times that one thing that we're fearing the most may be where you're trusting God the least. God says, I want to change the way you think. I want to take that rope off your leg. He says, I want you to see yourself the way I see you. There's no cage around you. You have no limitations. You are capable of attaining your dream. You are capable of reaching your goals. You're capable of breaking the chains of addiction. You are capable of being happy. There's nothing that stands in your way. But you need to start thinking that way. And it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what your past failures have been. Heck, David failed greatly many times. Peter denied Jesus three times. The third time he did it as he looked him in the eye. We're not defined by our past. We are defined by our future. Heck, Peter's original name was Simon. Jesus renamed him Peter, which means the rock. In Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus didn't name Peter for what he was. He named him for what he would become. Man, God sees what we are capable of. Shortly after denying Jesus, Peter became the first to proclaim the gospel. And 3,000 people were led to Christ in one day. I'm telling you, those who God uses the greatest are often people that's been broken the greatest. And God says, I'm larger than your failures. I'm bigger than your doubts that you have. I'm greater than your fears. He says, I want you to trust me, David. You may be surrounded by your enemies, but I have far greater plans for you. This is not a checkmate. Because with me, all things are possible. Man, you start thinking like that. Watch your world evolve. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Next verse says, See if there is any offensive way in me. Man, when you, when you humbly kneel before God with a true desire to honor Him and ask Him to reveal your wrongdoings, He will. He will. And I'm not talking about the sins that you've been doing that you know you shouldn't be doing. He's already revealed that to you. You need to confess. You need to ask for forgiveness and you need to repent. Meaning stop doing what you're doing. But what I'm talking about are things that you may not know that you're doing. You may be unaware of because sometimes, sounds weird, but sometimes we just don't pay attention. Something can be right under our nose and it kind of goes unnoticed. Now, most of you know that I'm a guitar player, but you may not know that I love the blues. I mean, I love listening to blues-based guitar players. And one player in particular that I'm a fan of is a gentleman by the name of Joe Bonamassa. Now, Joe, like many artists today, he's got different tiers of tickets that he offers for his shows. There's your standard tickets, which are your lower price tickets. There's your deluxe tickets, which are much better seats, but you pay quite a bit more for them. And then you got your VIP package. Oh yeah. See, not only do you get killer seats in the front, but you get to have a meet and greet with Joe. So what usually happens is this. Fans are brought into a waiting area where they line up and they wait for Joe to arrive in a room. And then at some point the doors are opened for everybody to be able to come in. They walk through the line and they get to meet Joe. They get to have a picture taken. They get to have stuff signed. Well, what's ironic about this picture, if you look to the far left... That's Joe. Joe walked in with everybody else. And he just got in line. And nobody noticed it was him. These people paid upwards of three to four hundred dollars for this experience, and they don't even recognize the person they paid to see is right in front of them. I mean, sometimes we just miss things. We don't know how it happens, but it happens. Maybe we just get too comfortable with certain things in our lives and we fail to impact, to see the impact that they have on us and the people around us. Little things that tend to slip through the cracks, stuff that you aren't aware that may be affecting your walk. That may be impacting your growth. I mentioned it earlier, but do you gossip? Are you one that may embellish the truth just a little bit? Or maybe that 
extra little smile that you give your coworker. That little pat on the arm. It's no big deal. Just a little flirting. It's no big deal. I'm married. Nothing could ever come out of it, right? Man, you think that. You're godlier than David. You're wiser than Solomon and you're stronger than Samson. Let me tell you something. Little things become big things. The way you talk. The jokes you tell. The way you treat people at school. The way you treat people at work. The way you work. Are you lazy? My wife Loretta used to wake the kids up for church and they'd say, I'm too tired to go to church. She'd say, well, good thing Jesus wasn't too tired to die on the cross so you could have eternal life. We need to honor God with what we say. We need to honor God with how we say it. We need to honor God with what we do. And we need to honor God with how we do it. I'm telling you, so many things, man, so many things can hold us back. So many things can can get us stuck. God, is there anything, God, is there anything that I'm doing that is displeasing to you? Anything that I'm doing that's dishonoring to you, point it out, uncover it. Search me. Test me. See if there is any offensive way in me. And then the third thing to ask of God, if you're serious about stepping out of your comfort zone, is lead me. Lead me. The last line in our scripture for today says, And lead me in the way everlasting. Now every week I get the prayer requests that are turned in for the church. And I personally pray for every one of them. And it's not just me. There's a prayer team. We love to pray for you. We love to pray for your requests. And most of the time, what people want prayers for are things that directly impact them or those that they love. God, would you do this for me? God, would you heal my grandma? Would you help me get this job? Would you keep me safe as I travel? And these are things that we should be praying for. We should be asking for these things because we're supposed to take all of our concerns to God. But I wonder what would happen if every once in a while, instead of saying, God, would you do this for me, that we would pray, God, what can I do for you? You see, a lot of us don't pray this because deep down we're kind of afraid where God may lead us. 
I mean, is God going to make us make me sell everything and go be a missionary in Africa? I don't know. He might. But it's way more likely that he is going to lead you to be a missionary where you are. Where you live. Where you go to school. Where you work. Because that's holy too. It's more likely he's going to lead us to serve the people that are around us. To be faithful with what he has already given us. And if you read your Bible... You know God often accomplishes His will through His people. And guess what? We are His people. But I think a lot of times, it's like that kid in class who's maybe just really not too sure of himself. We fail to lift up our hand. And we think, you know, I'm not going to give. They should give. I mean, they've got, they've got more money than I do. Well, I don't want to reach out to this person. Let him do it. Or let her do it. Because they're, they're, they're better equipped than I am. Oh, I don't have the time to do this. I'm not capable of doing this. I'd rather just stay here in my little zone. Just bless me, God. Man, what if we were like the Old Testament prophet Isaiah? Who had a vision from God. And in Isaiah 6 verse 8 says he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah replied, Here I am. Send me. Now that is a dangerous response. He didn't say, God, where are you sending me? God, will this be easy? Is this going to cost me anything? Will I be rewarded for this? Are there benefits and vacations included? Man, he didn't ask any of that. He simply said, here I am. Send me. What would happen if we all said that? Man, what would happen if we said that? Here I am, God. Send me. Use me. Lead me to where I can be impactful. Lead me to where I can make a difference. Whatever it is, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. 
Whatever you need, wherever you need it, I'm available, God. Send me. Use me. Lead me. I'm willing to be used for you, God, and I'm willing to be used by you. I'm not going to wait for somebody to do something. I am somebody, and I am going to do something, God. Man, you want to encounter God. Pray that and see what happens. Well, some years back, I was at the Tri-County Golf Course in Middletown at my son Ethan's golf meet. He was on the Wapahani Club. And being one of the younger ones on the team, he didn't get to actually compete. He and the other underclassmen, they would just start at a designated hole and then they would just follow along and play. Well, as I was riding in a golf cart, eating a snicker bar, passing all the health conscious parents that were walking, I noticed something toward the end of hole one that caught my attention. It was a tree, but there was something very peculiar about this tree. And as I got up to it, I got out of the golf cart and I took a photo of this tree. And if you look at it, you can see it had died and fell over. But somehow, it began to grow again. Somehow, new life was breathed into this tree and it started growing upright. And it didn't resemble the old tree any longer. Man, it was strong. It was healthy. It was beautiful. And I couldn't help but think, that's what God does in our lives. These moments in our lives when we feel like that we've come to a dead end. And we've stalled. We kind of feel dead inside. It's like we've fallen over and we're done. And God says, I can get you moving again. God says, look up. Focus on me. Give me permission to interrupt your life. Let me show you why you have stopped growing and trust me. God says, I have the power to pick you back up again. I have the power to set you straight again. I'll make things better than you've ever imagined. I can make you stronger than you ever thought was possible. I'll make you new again. I'll fire you up and I will use you in ways that you never thought was possible. But you got to take steps. I'm telling you, comfort 
is the enemy of growth. You need to pray dangerously. Search me. Test me. Lead me. And you're never going to go where God's calling you to go. You're never going to do what God's calling you to do. You're never going to be what God is calling you to be until you get uncomfortable. Let's stand for closing prayer. Well, dear God, we... God, we, your people, we stand before you right now. We are thankful for your word. And maybe a conviction, hopefully, in our hearts to step out of our comfort zones. God, we desire to grow in a deeper relationship with you. We long to do away with anything, God. Anything that's hindering our walk, that's slowing our progress, that may be interfering with our ability to do things in a way that glorifies you. God, we want to be a church that is used by you to make an impact for you. And if there's anyone here today, God, that's never accepted Christ into their hearts, and anyone here that has a desire to do so, I invite you to repeat these words after me. You can say it out loud, quietly to yourself if you want. We can all repeat it together as Pastor Chris likes to do. But if you're ready to change the direction of your life, if you're ready to secure your salvation, repeat after me, Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness for the things I've done. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead to bring me new life. I confess him now as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to him. I welcome the Holy Spirit into my life to guide me from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.